Hey as parents now today let's begin with the second chapter of grade 12 that is the sexual reproduction in angiosperms okay now make sure that you have your ncrt open beside you to relate the stuff whatever i am reading over here okay are you all excited if not then get excited okay we are starting the new chapter <laughs> okay okay now let's just dive into it are we not lucky that plants reproduce sexually the myriads of flowers that we enjoy gazing at the scents and the perfumes that we swoon over the rich colors that attract us are all there as an aid to sexual reproduction flowers do not exist only for us to be used for our own selfishness all flowering plants show sexual reproduction a look at the diversity of structures of the inflorescent flowers and the floral parts show an amazing range of adaptation to ensure the formation of the end products of the sexual reproduction the fruits and the seeds Okay now in this chapter let us understand the morphology structure and the process of sexual reproduction in flowering plants that is basically the angiosperms okay now flower which is a fascinating organ of angiosperm okay human beings have had an intimate relation relationship with flowers since time immemorial flowers are objects of aesthetic ornamental social religious and cultural value they have always been used as a symbol for conveying important human feelings such as love affection happiness grief mourning etc now to a biologist flowers are morphologically and embryological marvels in the sites of sexual reproduction in grade 11 you have read the various parts of flower figure 2.1 will help you recall the parts of a typical flower can you name the two parts of a flower in which the two most important units of sexual reproduction develop um figures like this androgyum and this gynoecium are the sexual reprodu- uh, reproductive organs okay particularly i would say the two most important units will be this uh, egg and this pollen grain these two organs or the this two we can't say we can't use the word organ over here but this two uh, are the units if they are asking us units particularly then we should say this uh, uh what we can say like stamen and carpel these are the two units in which the most important uh, or uh, uh, most important parts to get developed okay now if you talk about this diagram then it shows a style uh, which uh, which connects the stigma with the ovary then there is a anther which is uh, bilobed and uh, there are petals then uh, filament is there sepal is there okay now if uh, okay we will talk about parthenogenesis and uh, apomixis in the end of this chapter okay now let's see what is pre fertilization like structure and events what are pre fertilization events okay much before the actual flower is seen on a plant the decision that the plant is going to flower has take pl- taken place several hormonal and the structural changes are initiated which led to the differentiation and the fun- for the development of the floral primordium and fluorescence are the formed formed which bear the floral buds and then the flowers in the flower the male and the female reproductive structures the androgyum and the gynoecium differentiates and develop you would recollect that the androgyum consists of a hall of stamens representing the male reproductive organ and the gynoecium represent the female reproductive organ now if we talk about the stamen uh, microsporangium and the pollen grain So now let's talk about it. Figure 2.2a shows the two parts of the typical stamen and the figure is important okay. Means this full whole figure is important not just a a and b both of them are important. 
the which is which is, uh, the stamen is a long and the sta- uh, slender stalk called the filament stamen which consists of the long and the slender stalk called the filament and the terminally uh, terminal generally bilobed structure called the anther the proximal end of the filament is attached to the thalamus or the petal of the flower the number and the length of stamens are variable to the flower of different species if you were to collect a stamen each from a 10 flowers and arrange them on a slide you would be able to appreciate the large variation in size seen in nature careful observation of each stamen under a dissecting microscope and making neat diagrams would allocate the range and shape and the attachment of anthers in different flower you may notice that maybe the change in shape shape is for sure change in shape but you may also notice that there is somewhat change in color there is somewhat change in size so it may vary with uh, pollen grain of one flower to another plant okay now a typical angiosperm uh, angiosperm anther is bilobed it can be um, trilobed tetralobed as well but typical most of the time it is bilobed with each lobe having two theca uh, or the theca that is they are dithecas often a longitudinal groove learns runs lengthwise separating the theca now let us understand the various type of tissues and their organization in the transverse action of an anther okay the bilobed nature of an anther is very distinct in the transverse section of anther the anther is four sided with a tetragonal structure consisting of a four microsporangia located at the corners two in each lobe the microsporangia develop further and become pollen sacs they extend longitudinally all through the length of an anther and are packed with the pollen grains now if we talk about the structure of microsporangium which is very important though now let's okay in a transverse section a typical microsporangium appears near a circular an outline it generally surrounds by a four wall layers very important just mark it down remember this stuff the outer is epidermis then comes the endothelium then comes the middle layer and comes then comes the tapetum the outer three wall layer perform the function of the protection and help in the dehiscence or uh, of anther to release the pollen it basically epidermis endothelium and the middle layer perform the function of protection and the dehiscence okay dehiscence is basically the drying out of drying the stuff out okay now the innermost layer layer is the tapetum which uh, it functions as uh, it, it 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 nourishes the developing pollen grains now the cells of the tapetum possesses a dense cytoplasm point to be noted okay just keep this in mind This possesses a dense cytoplasm and generally have more than one nucleus okay when the anther is young a group of compactly arranged homogeneous cell called the sporogenous tissue occupies the center of each microsporangium okay there is a sporogenous tissue present at the center of every microsporangium okay you can um, can uh, relate this with a diagram okay now the uh, just 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 take your pen and not the two 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 to three uh, points which i am uh, asking you to note down okay now look at the figure uh, you can see anther there where there is anther that end is considered as the distal end and uh, where there is this filament or the stalk that end is considered as the proximal so just write uh, distal end near the anther mark uh, take make draw an arrow and just draw distal end there and uh, near to the filament just write its proximal end and anther is sterile and uh, okay filament 
filament uh, filament can be living okay it can be living tissue now let's talk about this microsporogenesis as the anther develops okay the as the anther develops the cells of the sporogenous tissue undergo the meiotic division to form a microscopic tetrads okay now they are here asking us about the ploidy of this uh, tet now listen carefully okay what is written over here this porogenous tissue undergo meiotic division what is that reductional division okay so which uh, to form the microscopic tetrads now they are asking as the ploidy of the tetrads so it's underst- uh, we can like it's common sense you know that the ploidy of this tetrad must be n they must they must be haploid because they had undergone this meiotic division it's clearly mentioned in the above statement that the sporogenous tissue undergo the meiotic division to form a microspot tetrads and in the next line they are asking is their ploidy so obviously it is going to be n because they undergo the meiotic division okay so just write down that the ploidy is haploid only and n okay now as each cell of the sporogenous tissue is capable of giving uh, giving rise in a microspore tetrad each one is a potential pollen or the microspore mother cell the process of formation of microspore from a pollen mother cell through a meios through a meiosis is called a microsporogenesis the microspore as they are formed are arranged in a cluster of four cell the microspore tetrad as the anther matures and dehydrate the microspore dissociate from each other and develop into pollen grains inside each microsporangium several thousands of microspores of the pollen grains are formed that are released with the dehiscence of anther okay as the anther dehiscence number of pollen grains are released altogether to make sure that there is syngamy okay now let's talk about this pollen grain we will discuss this diagram as well don't worry people pollen grain the pollen grains represent the male gametophyte uh, if you touch the opened anthers of the hibiscus which is generally common flower which you get very easily or any other flower you would find deposition of yellowish powdery pollen grains on your fingers obviously sprinkle these grains on a drop of water taken on a glass slide and observe under a microscope you will really be amazed at a variety of architectures eye shape color and design seen on the pollen grains from different species you can clearly see in the figure right i already told you you may find the difference in color as well shape is understandable size okay color is as well you can see the difference okay now pollen grains are generally spherical measuring about 25 to 50 micrometers in diameter it is a prominent two layered wall the hard outer layer is called the exine which is made up of spore pollen which is one of the most resistant organic material known till today's date it can withstand high temperatures and strong acids and alkali as well no enzyme that degrades sporopollenis is so far known pollen grain exine has a prominence apartus called germ pore where pollen where sporopollenin is absent and from the germ pore this pollen tube get arise and reach to the synergids okay we will get into it soon pollen grains are well preserved as a fossil because of the presence of sporopollenin the exine exhibits a fascinating array of patterns and design what do you think the exine uh, why do you think the exine should be hard obviously it has to be hard there is sexual organ and uh, there uh, we, we 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 must protect it 
what is the function of germ pore germ pore is to facilitate the entry of uh, pollen grain into the stigma like to form the pollen tube pollen tube if there is a uh, exine all out there how then how will this pollen tube get formed Okay, so that is the function of jumpur. Jumpur, the inner wall of the pollen grain is called the entine. It is a thin, continuous layer made up of cellulose and pectin. Not it down. Okay, it is thin layer, thin and continuous layer made up of cellulose and pectin. The cytoplasm of a pollen grain is surrounded by a plasma membrane. When the pollen grain is mature, it contains two cells. Remember, okay, when the pollen grain mature, it contains the two cells. The more important line is going to come now. come soon i will inform you okay the vegetative cell and the regenerative cell the vegetative cell is bigger okay now just open your ears if they are closed just remember these lines the vegetative cell is bigger it has abundant food reserve and a large irregularly shaped nucleus not it now the next thing the generative cell is small okay and it floats in the cytoplasm of the vegetative cell it is spindle shaped with dense cytoplasm and a nucleus now very very damn important line in over 60% of angiosperm okay in over 60% of angiosperm pollen grains are shed at this two celled stage not my mark my words at two shell stage 60% of angiosperm shed their pollen grains at this two shelled stra- stage uh, in the remaining species the generative cells divide mitotically to give rise to the two male gametes okay in the remaining 40% this uh, generative cell undergoes uh, uh, mitosis and give rise to the two male gametes and uh, then in that case this pollen grains are shared at the three celled stage so in the remaining species the generative cell divides mitotically to give rise to the two male gametes before pollen grains are shared or the three celled stage okay now pollen grains of many species cause several or the severe allergies and bronchial affections in some people often leading to the chronic respiratory disorders like asthma and the bronchitis etc it may be mentioned that parthenium or the carrot grass that come into india as the contaminant with imported wheat has become ubiquitous in occurrence and cause and it causes pollen allergy allergy as well now i i i think loud we should discuss this uh, diagram as well altogether okay now if we talk about the figure 2.3 in the left page then it's the transverse section of the young anther uh you can see the clear labeling of the different layers starting from the epidermis then endothelium this b figure is damn self explanatory like you can clearly see the different layers starting from the epidermis which is the outer then comes the endothelium then middle layer and the microspore mother cells are present uh, at the center then comes the stepetum okay now connective uh, connective is present uh, see uh, if you talk about the figure 2.2 then there also this line of dehiscence is mentioned and uh, connective is between this uh, uh, what we can say the step between this uh, four tetrad microspore tetrad in, in, in between you can see the connective okay now uh, yeah uh, tetrad is mostly in uh, dicot plants uh, which is uh, iso bilateral uh, linear and t shape 
okay now just uh, one more thing is there anything um, let me check all right now let's see the figure 2.5 then if you talk about it it's it, it is showing the enlarged view of a pollen grain tetrad and the stages of microspore maturing into a pollen grain okay see vacuoles are there generative cell and vegetative cell you can see clearly there we just uh, read the stuff there like uh, in 60% of the angiosperm there's uh, uh, in 60% of uh, gymnos oh, sorry in geosperm the pollen grains are shared at the shared at the two cell stage how so you can clearly see in the diagram like vacuoles are there ne- uh, nucleus is there then uh, asymmetric spindle gets formed and uh, the cell get divided into two parts which one can two parts in the sense uh it it get divided it can it 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 forms two cells and one of them is vegetative one and another another one is the generative cell and if we talk about the remaining 40% ones then in that case the see you can see the clear differentiation between the vegetative cell and the generative cell then the uh, differentiated generative cell will again divided into two parts and uh, will form the two male gametes to form the uh three cell stage i hope you got the point now let's 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 just turn the page and talk about the pollen grains and their uh advantages like where they are where they are used pollen grains are rich in nutrients it has uh, nutrients it has become a fashion in recent years to use pollen tablets as a food supplement all right in western countries a large number of pollen products in the form of tablets and syrups are available in the market pollen consumption has been acclaimed to increase the performance of athletes and the race horses all right now when once they are shared pollen grains have to lean on the stigma before they lose their viability now here comes the viability into the picture if they have to bring about fertilization like viability is the important okay is the important fun, uh, important to keep in mind how long do you think the pollen grain retain viability it depends upon the uh, type of pollen like uh, it may vary starting from 30 minutes to 30 years or the 3000 years it may vary it depends the period for which pollen grain remains viable is highly variable and to some extent depends on the prevailing temperature and humidity in some cereals such as rice and wheat pollen grains lose viability within 30 minutes of the release just mark this line rice and wheat lose their viability in 30 minutes within 30 minutes okay and in some num- uh, members of rosaceae uh, leguminosae and solanaceae they maintain their viability for months just mark down just keep this families in mind uh, rosaceae leguminosae and the solanaceae you may have heard of storing semen or the sperm of many animals including humans for artificial insemination it is possible to store pollen grains as well of large number of species for years in liquid nitrogen which is around having which is having around minus 196 degree celsius temperature such stored pollen grain can be used as a pollen bank similar to seed banks in crop breeding programs all right now let's see the pistil or the megasporangium ovule and the o- embryocy now remember they had used the word megasporangium interchangeably with ovule so what is ovule which is a female reproductive structure and the megasporangium is the same stuff okay just kidding okay now let's move 
okay the gynoecium represents the female reproductive part of the flower the gynoecium may consist of a single pistil monocarpellary or it may have uh, um, more than one pistil or we can say the multicarpellary when there are more than one uh, more than more than one the pistil may be fused together then there is, then that then that condition is considered as a syncarpus if they are together then the syncarpus and or may be free then then that condition there is they are called as apocarpus each pistil has three parts the stigma style and the ovary the stigma serves as a landing platform for the pollen grains the style is the elongated slender part beneath the stigma the basal bulged part of the pistil is the ovary inside the ovary is the ovarian cavity or the locule the placenta is located inside the ovarian cavity recall the definition and the type of placentation that you read or the studied in class 11 okay now let's discuss the placentations okay now just try to recall them placentation we see like uh, they were axial then marginal then basal then free central I hope you are. I hope I. I hope you can relate this stuff. Okay. Now, 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 let's move ahead. Arising from the placenta are the megasporangia, commonly called the ovules. Okay. Now, the number of ovules in the ovary may be one example of each pedi mango, like one seeded. Too many, like papaya, then watermelon and orchids, which is damn irritating stuff when we eat watermelon and this seed. or this uh, when the seed come into your mouth and like we are like what okay now let's move to the megasporangium or the ovule let us familiarize ourselves with the structure of a typical angiosperm ovule the ovule is a small structure attached to the placenta by a means of stalk called a funicle the body of the ovule fuses with a funicle in a region called the hilum thus hilum represents the junction between the ovule and the funicle okay this it's important line eh? sometimes the mcq may direct come what is the structure which fuses funicle and the ovule which which fuses uh, uh, yeah same so the answer would be hilum thus the hilum represents the junction between the ovule and the funicle each ovule has one or two protective envelopes called integuments like generally there are two protective envelopes but in, uh, sometimes you can see the three or four protective integuments as well but generally there are two uh integuments encircle the nucleus uh, except at the tip where a small opening called the micropyle is organized opposite the micropylar end is the chalazal end the representing the basal part of the ovule and closed within the integument is a mass of cells called the nucellus cells of the nucellus have abundant reserve food material located in the nucellus is the embryo sac or the female gametophyte an ovule generally has a single embryo sac formed of from a megaspore okay now 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 let's discuss the figure 2.7 you can see there is a diagram of uh, some parts from hibiscus plant then papa where is there then michelia is there okay now let's see what are what, what they are uh, if we talk about the hibiscus one then there is one uh, filament like structure or filament or if filament is the wrong term to use over here like female reproductive structure is given like this carpel carpel uh, yeah stamen and pistil yeah sorry pistil pistil yeah pistil is given okay now you can see the stigma is there style is there then ovary thalamus etc mentioned over here if you talk about the second one which is multicarpellary syncarpus pistil of papaver 
then you can see the stigma over there and there is syncarpus orbi you can clearly see that uh, the scarpels are fused altogether multicarpellary condition is there and they are fused so syncarpus okay now if we talk about the third third case then uh, you can see there is multicarpellary carpels are there so many but they aren't fused they are free so apocarpus condition is there and if we talk about the last like d1 structure which is damn important okay a diagrammatic view of a typical anatromous anatropus ovule see how smart this ncrt people are here they had used the term anatropus so you must check what this word anatropus is anatropus orthotropus etc etc like the direction of uh, uh position of uh, or the shape or the shape of the ovule like how it is uh, placed and all you can see the hilum there which is uh, uh, which fuse uh, which fuse ovule and the funicle you can see the funicle which is uh, which is attached to the placenta by the stalk what is attached to this placenta ovule is attached to the stalk by placenta and that is th- that stalk you called as funicle then comes this micropylar and this micropylar pole then outer integument that is outer covering then inner covering or the inner integument then comes this new cellus new cellus okay new cellus then comes this embryo sac and then finally this chalazal pole all right now megasporogenesis the process of formation of megaspores from megaspore mother cell is called the megasporogenesis now ovule generally differentiate a single megaspore mother cell in the micropylar region of the nucellus it is a large cell containing the dense cytoplasm and a prominent nucleus the megaspore mother cell undergo the meiotic division yeah so interesting you know meiotic division is quite interesting i like that okay now what is the importance of the meios uh, megaspore mother cell undergoing meiosis can you please guess just guess the stuff meiosis results in the production of four megaspores okay from them this three will get degenerated we gonna get into that point as well okay okay we will discuss this diagram as well just have patience okay now female gametophyte in a majority of flowering plants one of the megaspore is functional by the other three degenerate just i told you this few seconds ago only the functional megaspore develops into the female gametophyte or the embryo sac this method of embryo sac formation from a single megaspore is termed as monosporic development why monosporic development because the three get degenerated and only the one is active unlike male in case of male all four were active you know all four microspore tetrad were active but in female the three get degenerated only one remains active and that time that kind of development is considered as the monosporic development okay this question may also come in both like what is monosporic development so you this is the point you're going to write all right what will be the ploidy of the cells of the new cells or the megaspore mother cell then comes this functional megaspore and the female gametophyte any idea just pause the stuff pause the uh, pause the this pause this episode and try to guess all right i hope you got the answer now let me uh, just tell it your answer with me okay so what will be the ploidy of the cell of the new cells okay sorry new cells gonna uh, new cells megaspore mother cell gonna be diploid then uh, there's a functional megaspore 
gonna be uh, haploid megaspore mother cell the initiator one gonna be diploid then comes the functional megaspore that gonna be haploid and the female gametophyte surely gonna be haploid can you guess the ploidy of nucellus well let me tell you it is also diploid like nucellus is diploid megaspore mother cell is diploid then this functional megaspore is haploid and female gametophyte is also haploid haploid now just not this point like meiosis is responsible for the formation of megaspore okay this write this down meiosis is responsible for the formation of megaspore now let's discuss this diagram but no 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 better it's we read the stuff before uh, going through this diagram Now let us study the formation of embryo sac in a little more detail. The news nucleus of the functional megaspore divides mitotically to form two nuclei which move into the opposite poles forming the two nucleate embryo sac two more sequential mitotic sorry okay mitotic nuclear division result in the formation of the four nucleate and the later the eight nucleate stage of the embryo sac it is of interest to note that this mitotic division are strictly free nuclear that is nuclear divisions are not followed immediately by cell wall formation like cytokine kinesis is absent there after the eighth nucleate cell uh, stage cell walls are laid down leading to the organism of a typical female gametophyte or embryo sac now observe the distribution of a cell inside the embryo sac carefully in a figure it will be better if you just uh, would take the note of the diagram as uh, along with the reading okay observe the distribution of cell inside the embryo sac it is clearly mentioned in the figure 2.8 b and c okay see now let's i will also discuss with you this diagram along with this reading stuff six of the eight nuclei are surrounded by the cell wall and organized into the cells okay then okay then the remaining two nuclei called bola nuclei are situated below the egg apparatus in the large central cell see so basically eight cells are uh, sorry uh, yeah eight cells are there but eight nuclei are there but seven cells are there okay because this polar nuclei consists of two nucleus which is present at the center now let's Uh, uh read this last paragraph then we will discuss this diagram there is characteristic distribution of the cells within the embryo sac the uh, three cells are grouped together at the micropylar end and constitute constitute the egg apparatus mike mark my words okay micropylar end egg apparatus micropylar end egg apparatus which consists of what is there in egg apparatus obviously common sense synergies and the and the what end and the egg okay now the egg apparatus in turn consists of a two synergies and the one egg cell the synergies have a special cellular thickenings at the micropylar tip called the filiform apparatus which plays an important role in guiding the pollen tube into the synergies very important okay sometimes the question may come it's very easy easy question right three cells are at the chalazal and and are called antipodals the large central cell as i mentioned earlier has a two polar nuclei it has a typical angiosperm embryo sac at maturity uh, forms the h nucleate and it is seven celled all right now let's see uh, look up on the diagram okay now 
it is a uh, it is showing as the part of the ovule uh, of a large megaspore mother cell which is a dyad and a tetrad of the megaspore see how this tetrad gets formed how from them the three gets regenerated and only one remains see micropylar end is there nucellus is there uh, which is diploid then megaspore mother cell is there which undergoes this uh, meiosis uh, forming the four uh, four megaspore tetrad see megaspore mother cell is there i hope you can relate my stuff relate the stuff megaspore mother cell will undergo the meiosis one forming this megaspore dyad then this megaspore dyad will undergo meiosis two forming the megaspore tetrad i hope you now got my point very clearly now okay now the second uh, b diagram is showing as the two four and the eight nucleate my uh, stages of the embryo of sac and the mature embryo now this from this megaspore tetrad we just read the stuff about monosporic development from them from this four uh, three gets uh, degenerated and only one remains and that one undergoes the mitotic division forming uh two from one uh, two cell gets formed from there two you get four and then from four you get the eight finally at the eight they started getting arranged in a proper way and you can see the uh there's uh, uh what we can say micropylar end and the chalazal end in uh, in micropylar end you find the agapatus which consists of synergids and the egg and in at the chalazal end you find the antipodal cells which are three in number and uh, in at the center you find a central cell which contains two polar nuclei and hence it is considered as a seven cell in the eight uh, nucleated structure all right now let's discuss the pollination okay all right this chapter seems quite interesting you know yeah Uh, in the preceding sections you have learned that the male and the female gametes in the flowering plants are produced in the pollen grain and embryo sac respectively as both types of gametes are non motile they have to be brought together for fertilization to occur now how is this achieved you must be wondering how is this achieved so the pollination is the mechanism to achieve this objective all right got my point okay now transfer of pollen grains which is shared from the anther to the stigma of a pistil is termed as the pollination flower ring plant have involved an amazing array of adaptation to achieve pollination they make use of external agents as well to achieve pollination can you list the possible uh, external agents obviously yes we can list down many like uh, it includes external agents includes like it they can be biotic or, or abiotic if you talk about the abiotic ones then air and water are the two uh, ways uh, from uh, through which this pollen grain pollen grains get transmitted and if i talk about this uh, biotic one then uh, th- then it includes insects birds uh, bats snakes uh, mm, uh, yeah this is that, that that's it now let's talk about the kind of pollination kinds of pollination or the types okay now depending on the source of pollination pollination can be divided into three types okay so yes autogamy uh, in this type pollination is achieved within the same flower transfer of pollen pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of the same flower in a normal flower which opens and exposes the anther and the stigma complete autogamy is rather rare okay autogamy in such flowers requires a synchrony in pollen release and stigma receptivity and also the anthers and the stigma should in uh, lie close to each other so that the self pollination can occur 
such some plants such as viola common pansy oxalis and commonalia produce two types of flowers which are chasmogamous flowers which are similar to the flowers of other types with exposed anthers and stigma and the cleistogamous flowers which do not open at all in such flowers the anther and the stigma lie close to each other but anthers dehisce in the flower buds pollen grains come in contact with the stigma to affect pollination Thus, clistogamous flowers are invariably autogamous as there is no chance of cross-pollination uh, landing on the stigma. Cross-pollen landing on the stigma, clistogamous flower produces assured seed set even in the absence of pollinators. Yep, do you think that the clistogamy is advantageous or disadvantageous to the plant and why? If we talk about uh, this thing, like what are the advantages? So, we can say that sure set is produced like anyhow seeing i'm gonna occur pollen grains are gonna get transferred because the flower is closed and if we talk about the disadvantages assured uh, advantages assured set is formed and if we talk about the disadvantages then uh, there is no variability you may get into this uh, what we can say uh, um, there was a term uh, what we can say uh, I, I, I forgot that term what was uh, in, in, in inbreeding depression yes inbreeding depression can make uh, get into the picture and some recessive traits may can take a massive form uh, some disease may get dominated so yeah uh, in that sense this is disadvantageous now if we talk about the geotanogamy then the transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of the another flower of the same plant like uh, genetic wise it's gonna be same there will be no genetic difference although genotanogamy is functionally cross-pollination involving a pollen poll- pollinating agent genetically it is similar to the autogamy since the pollen grains come from the same plant all right now what is xenogamy? Xenogamy is the actual or the true cross-pollination. It is a transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of a different plant. This is the only type of pollination during uh, which during pollination brings genetically different types of pollen grains to the stigma. Now let's discuss about the agents of the pollination. Now plant uses two abiotic which is wind and water and one biotic which is the animal's agents to achieve pollination majority of plant use biotic plant uh, biotic agents for pollination only a small proportion of plant uses abiotic agents pollen grains coming in contact with the stigma is a, uh, is a chance factor in both wind and water pollination to compensate for this uncertainties and associated le- loss of pollen grains the flower production and uh, product flower produces enormous amount of pollen when compared to the number of ovules available for pollination i told you this before also pollination by wind is more common among abiotic pollinations wind pollination or wind pollination also requires the pollen grains are light and non-sticky okay so that they can be transported in wind current uh, they often possess well-exposed stamens so that pollens are easily disposed into wind currents and large often feathery stigma to easily trap airborne pollen grains when pollinated flowers often have a single ovule in each ovary and numerous flowers packed into an inflorescence a familiar example is a corn cob the tassels you see are nothing but the stigma and the uh, and the style which 
wave in the wind to drape pollen grains wind pollination is quite common in grass just not this point okay wind pollination is quite common in grass and uh, if it uh, it the example given here is quite good you know you can see uh, you can note the characteristic this is the points which you should keep in, in mind especially for your board examination uh, in need this point is like uh, less important for need uh, just see corn cob corn cob uh, has a tassels which is uh, uh, stigma and uh, style which are less heavy like so light so that they can easily move in the wind they have feathery like structure so they can easily get uh, mm, you know f- uh, transported okay now if we talk about the pollination by water then it that then that's quite rare in flowering plants and is limited to about just 30 genera mostly mon- mostly belonging to the monocotyledon and as against this you would recall that the water is a regular mode of transport for the male gametes among the lower plant groups such as the algae bryophytes and the pteridophytes it is believed particularly for some bryophytes and pteridophytes that the distribution is limited because of the need for water for the transport of male gametes and fertilization now very important very important line some examples of water pollinated plants are valesinaria and hydrilla which grow in fresh water and several marine sea grasses such as zostera this not in down a zostera is sea grass valesinaria and the hydrilla uh, they grow in the fresh water and are get uh, and are pollinated by this uh, water Okay in a majority of aquatic plants such as water hyacinth and the water lily the flower emerges above the level of the water and are pollinated by insects or wind as in most of the land plants in valesinaria the female flower reaches the surface of the water by the long stalk and the male flower or the pollen grains are released onto the surface of the water they are carried passively by water currents all right now some of them eventually reach the female flowers and the stigma Okay in another group of water pollinated plants such as sea grasses female flower remain submerged in water and pollen grains are uh, released inside the water so you can see that there are basically uh, pollination is happening uh, basically in the two layers one is just the uh, uh, one is just at the surface of the water and one is below the water so, uh, so deep okay Pollen grains in many such species are long ribbon like and they are carried passively inside the water some of them reach the stigma and achieve pollination in most of the water pollinated species pollen grains are protected from the wetting by a mucilaginous covering now i would suggest you people to note down the example just uh, uh, just in the side uh, in a given space uh, given uh, given in a space given in the right hand side like just not down there wind pollination is basically seen in the corn cob as mentioned earlier just not the uh, not the example which we just uh, had a look there uh, while reading now 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 just write water pollination which is seen in valesinaria and hydrilla uh, where uh, surface uh, movement is there of uh, surface pollination occurs surface water pollination uh, pollination occurs in the surface of the water and there is one more that is zostera which is uh, uh, valesinaria and hydrilla are the fresh water ones and what is zostera zostera is the sea grass or the marine grass so it can uh, definitely it gonna be mm, salty like it is found in um, it is marine water it is found in marine water like right? 
now uh, the next one more thing you should note down there is uh, okay autogamy uh, autogamy is seen in case of uh, mainly three flowers uh, according to the ncrt like if we talk about just ncrt then uh, then uh, ncrt mentions oxalis comelina and the viola under the autogamy and if we talk about the xenogamy then the sunflower is mentioned uh, if it uh, including diagram I, i had included this example of diagram as well so xenogamy is uh, seen in sunflower all right i hope you people got my point now i hope you noted the point okay now let's now let's uh, move forward majority of the fl- uh, majority of the flowering plants use a range of animals as a pollinating agents bees butterflies flies beetles wasps ants moths birds songbirds and the hummingbirds and the bats are the common pollinating agents among the animals insects particularly bees are the dominant biotic pollinating agents even a larger animal such as some primates like lemurs arboreal or the tree level dwelling rodents arboreal are the rodents which uh, which uh, crawl on the tree or even reptiles like gecko lizard and the garden lizard have also been reported as a pollinators in some species often flowers of animals uh, often flowers of animal pollinated plants are specifically adapted for a particular species of uh, animal like some plants are like fixed like this flower gonna get pollinated with the help of bees this flower surely gonna get pollinated with the help of bees somewhat like that okay okay now majority of insect pollinated flowers are the large colorful fragrant and rich in nectar basically this is this is done to offer gift to the uh, pollinating agent in the form of uh, reward you know that can be uh, nectar that can be the fragrance uh, these are this has a this are the things which attract the pollinating agent to uh, directly or indirectly help in pollination all right when the flowers are small a number of flowers are clustered into an inflorescence to make them conspicuous animals are attracted to flowers by color and or fragrance the flower pollinated by flies and the beetles uh, secrete pollen in order to attract these animals to sustain animal visits the flower have to provide rewards to the animals so the nectar and the pollen grains are the usual floral rewards for harvesting the rewards from the flower the animal visits uh, animal visitor comes in contact with the anthers and the stigma the body of the animal gets a coating of pollen grain which are generally sticky in any uh, sticky in animal pollinated flowers uh, when the animal caring pollen on its body comes in contact with the stigma it brings about the pollination in some species floral rewards are in providing safe places to lay eggs an example is that of the tallest flower amorph phallus which is the flower itself uh, uh, and it is about 6 feet in height a similar relationship exists between a species of motile sorry species of moth and the plant yucca well both species moth and the plant cannot complete the life cycle without each other the moth deposits its egg in the locule of the ovary and the fawn sorry and the flower in turn gets pollinated by the moth the larvae of the moth come out of the eggs as the seeds start developing all right now let's 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 talk let's move forward <laughs> okay now why don't you observe some yeah it's the useless stuff mm, 
yeah just 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 note this two more things uh in the right side just write down uh, like dioecious is papaya papaya is dioecious the example given in this para and monoecious is uh, castor and maize so you should keep this thing in mind like example of monoecious plants are castor and the maize and the dioecious is what is dioecious papaya absolutely people now let's discuss this uh, outbreeding device and the remaining chapter in the next segment till then keep studying so now let's start with outbreeding devices okay so majority of the flowering plants produces uh, hermaphrodite flowers and pollen grains are likely to come in contact with the stigma of the same flower continued self pollination results in inbreeding depression flowering plants have developed many devices to discourage the self pollination and to encourage the cross pollination in some species the pollen releases and stigma receptivity are not synchronized either the pollen is released before the stigma becomes receptive or the stigma becomes uh, receptive much before the release of uh, pollen like protoendres or the protogynes okay uh, in some other species the anther and the stigma are placed in a different position so that the pollen cannot come in contact with the stigma of the same flower both these devices prevent autogamy the third device to prevent the inbreeding is a self incompatibility this is a genetic mechanism which prevents the self pollen from the same flower or the other flower of the same plant from fertilizing the ovules by inhibiting the pollen germination or the pollen tube growth in a pistil another device to prevent the self pollination is the production of the unisexual flowers if both the male and the female flowers are present on the same plant such as the castor and the maize they are monoecious like i already asked you to note down the examples castor and the maize are the monoecious it prevents the autogamy but not geotinogamy in several species such as in papaya male and the female uh, female flowers are present on the different plants okay that is each plant is either male or the female so they are dioecious and this condition prevents both autogamy and the geotinogamy so there are basically the four outbreeding devices first is the position and uh, position of the uh, anther and the stigma like uh, they cannot reach uh each other then the second thing is the time like uh, when this uh, stigma is receptible or uh, the receptivity is not getting synchronized like when the stigma is capable is that time anther isn't capable so like time the third thing is the self incompatibility like the rejection like the interaction between the chemicals and the fourth thing is the unisexuality of the flowers all right now Let's see what is this pollen pistil interaction uh, in detail. Okay, pollination is not guarantee the transfer of the right type of pollen or the compatible pollen of the same species as the stigma. Often pollen of the wrong type either from the other species or from the same plant if it is self incompatible also land on the stigma. The pistil has the ability to recognize the pollen whether it is of right type compatible or of the wrong type incompatible. Okay, so they can also communicate as an ek sirf insan Uh, it is not like that only human beings can uh, communicate plants to communicate but in different way it is of the right type if it is of right type the pistil accepts the pollen and promotes promotes the post pollination events that 
leads to the fertilization if the pollen of the wrong type or the pistil rejects the pollen by preventing the pollen germination on the stigma or the pollen tube growth in the style the ability of the pistil to recognize the pollen followed by its acceptance or the rejection is a result of a continuous dialogue between the pollen and the pistil all right this dialogue is mediated by a chemical component of the pollen interacting with those of the pistil it is only in the recent years that the botanists have been able to identify some of the pollen in the pistil components and the interaction leading to the recognition followed by the acceptation or the rejection as mentioned earlier following compatible pollination the pollen grain germinates on the stigma to produce a pollen tube though one of the germ pores the content of the pollen grain move into the pollen tube pollen tube grows through the tissue of the stigma and the style uh, and reaches the ovary you would recall that in some plants pollen grains are shared at the two cell cell condition uh, where there in, which includes only the vegetative cell and the with uh, and the generative cell in such uh, sorry in such plants the generative cell divides and forms the two male uh, two male gametes during the growth of the pollen tube and the stigma in plants which share the pollen in the three cells condition pollen tubes uh, uh, pollen tube carry the two male gametes from the beginning pollen tube after reaching okay see the thing is the two cells stage one also gonna make uh two male gametes but after uh after getting uh, after getting into the when they are traveling from the pollen tube to the stigma at that time they gonna do this but the third cell stage one is already having the two male gametes like pre-synthesized okay so this is the major difference mm. pollen tube after reaching um after reaching the ovary enters the ovule through the micropylar uh, micropyle and then enters one of the synergy through the filiform apparatus M- more recent many recent study have shown that the filiform apparatus present in the micropylar part of the synergy guides the entry of the pollen tube make sure you underline this line like filiform apparatus um uh, guides the uh, pollen tube to enter into the synergies all these events from the pollen deposition on the stigma until the pollen tubes enter the ovule are together referred as to as a pollen pistil interaction as pointed out earlier a uh, pollen pistil interaction is a dynamic process involving the pollen recognition followed by the promotion or the inhibition of the pollen the knowledge gained in this area would help the plant breeder in manipulating pollen pistil interaction even in incompatible pollination to get desired hybrids okay now um Uh, see the function of filiform apparatus is to guide the uh, pollen tube towards the synergids it is basically the chemotrophic movement okay some sort of chemotrophic movement you can say that okay now uh, after about 15 to 30 uh, after about 15 to 30 minutes sorry 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 okay uh let's 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 start uh, uh, let's start from this artificial hybridization it is one of the major uh, approaches of crop improvement program in such a uh, in such crossing experiment it is important to make sure that only the desired pollen g- grains are used for pollination and the stigma is protected from the contamination from the unwanted pollen this is achieved by emasculation and bagging techniques emasculation is the removal of uh, 
uh, anthers and uh, begging is uh, covering the female or the uh, yeah obviously female uh, reproductive part with a polythene or something of that sort to prevent uh, the contact of stigma with the unwanted pollen okay now if the female plant bears bisexual flowers then the removal of anthers from the flower bud before the anther dies is using a pair of forceps is necessary this step is referred to as emasculation see what is it written over here uh, what is uh, removal of anthers so may, uh, only anthers are removed you can't remove stigma that then that, that process isn't emasculation then emasculated flowers have to be covered with a bag of suitable size generally made up of butter paper not polythene okay it is made up of butter paper to prevent contamination of its stigma with unwanted pollen this process is called bagging when the stigma of the bagged flower attains a receptivity mature pollen grains collected from the anthers of the male parrot are stored on the stigma and the flowers are rebagged and the fruit allowed to develop if the female parent produces a unisexual flowers there is no need for emasculation Uh, the female flower buds are bagged before the flower opens when the stigma becomes receptive the pollination is carried out using the desired pollen and the flower is rebagged now let's talk about the double fertilization finally we are here so uh, after uh, entering one of the cnodids the pollen tube releases the two male gametes into the uh, into the cyno- cytoplasm of the cnodids one of the male gametes move towards the egg cell and fuse with the nucleus thus completing the syngamy this result in the formation of a diploid cell the zygote which is unicellular okay the other male gametes move towards the two polar nuclei located in the central cell and fuses with them to produce a triploid primary endosperm nucleus which is pen as this involves the fusion of the three haploid nuclei it is termed as a triple fusion since two type of fusion syngamy and the triple fusions take place in an embryous sac this phenomenon is termed as the double fertilization an event unique to flowering plants or the specially angiosperms we can say that this centered uh, sorry the central cell after triple fusion becomes the primary endosperm cell and develops into the endosperm while the zygote develops into an embryo point to be noted okay this is at the fate this are the fate zygote develops into the embryo and the pri- uh, and the uh in the primary endosperm cell develops into the endosperm okay so now this diagram is damn important uh, have a look over there uh, the first stage is uh, you get the uh, you get this uh, endo- fertilized embryo sac which is showing as the zygote and the primary endosperm nucleus clearly there then uh, then there are the stage of embryo development uh, which are seen in the dicot plant so firstly there is zygote which is unicellular which divides further and forms a globular embryo then comes this heart shaped embryo and then this comes this uh, finally uh, ter- t it's, it, it starts something from t i don't remember the exact name but the uh, the name of the fourth shape is uh, fourth steps uh, starts from t something so uh, make sure you remember the order like firstly it's zygote then comes this globular 
then comes this heart shaped and then comes this t1 okay okay now let's let's now let's discuss this post fertilization uh, structures and the events following this double fertilization events of the endosperm and an embryo development maturation of ovules into seeds and the ovary into fruits are collectively termed as the post fertilization events so now let's discuss this endosperm further okay so now endosperm development process embryo development why 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 endosperm must say why this uh, uh, after this embryo development there is endosperm development it is so because this endosperm nourishes see it at this point gonna come ahead see the primary endosperm cell divides rapidly and forms a triploid endosperm tissue the cells of this tissue are filled with reserve food materials and are used for the nutrition in the developing embryo okay that's why here the question was why is this endosperm development before the embryo development because to nourish the embryo we need something some something we need to nourish the embryo na so for that endosperm is formed so that we can easily nourish this developing embryo okay in the most common type of endosperm development the primary endosperm nucleus undergoes successive nuclear division to give rise to a free nuclei this stage of endosperm development is called the free nuclear endosperm subsequently cell wall formation occurs and the endosperm becomes cellular the number of free nuclei formed before cellularization varies greatly the coconut water from a tender coconut that you are very familiar with is nothing but a free and nuclear endosperm made up of thousands of nuclei in the surrounding white kernel or the malai you say is the cellular endosperm endosperm may either be completely consumed by the developing embryo example pea groundnut beans before seed maturation or it may persist in the mature seed example castor and coconut and we used up during the seed germination just these are the points to be marked very important lines see um so we can say that the examples of albuminous uh, seeds uh, albuginous seeds are uh, the pea uh, sorry l albuginous is the castor and this coconut and x albuginous is groundnut pea and beans okay okay now let's discuss this uh, embryo right there okay embryo develops uh, at the micropillar end point to be noted mark this line embryo develops at the micropillar end uh, of the embryo sac where the zygote is situated most zygote divide only after the certain amount of endosperm is formed this is an adaptation to provide assured uh, nutrition to the developing embryo though the seeds differ greatly the ca- uh, early stages of the embryo development of the embryogeny are similar in both monocotyledons and the dicotyledons figure 2.3 in depth exists stages of the embryo dna in the dicotyledon embryo the zygote gives us rise to proembryo and subsequently to the globular heart shaped and the mature embryo which is known as turbula turbula torula torula yeah torula i guess i don't know the exact term i'm missing there something but make sure you find that out 
A typical dicotyledonous embryo consists of an embryonal axis and the two cotyledons. The portion of the embryonic axis above the level of the cotyledon is the apicotyle, which terminates with the plumular plumule or the steam tip. The cylindrical portion below the level of cotyledon is the hypocotyle that terminates at the lower end in the radical or the root tip. The root tip is covered with a root cape. Embryo of monocotyledons uh, possesses only one cotyledon. The, in the grass finally, uh, sorry, family in grass family, the cotyledon is called as the scutellum that is situated towards one side lateral of the embryonal axis at its lower end and the embryonal axis the uh, radical and the root cap uh, enclosed in an undifferentiated sheath called coleorhizae the portion of the embryonal axis above the level of attachment of scutellum is the apicotyle apicotyle form uh, has a shoot apex and a leaf primordium enclosed in a hollow structure the coleoptile okay sunflower embryo is a two cotyledon and uh, what is anthesis anthesis just write this points there in the space given uh, sunflower is uh, uh, sunflower embryo is two cotyledon and one more thing is anthesis is the opening of the flower make sure you know these terms okay uh, now this radical and the root cap and closing on the ship See the cover. Coleoriza is the protective cover for the radical and the root cape. And if we talk about the coleoptile, then that is the covering for uh, uh, covering for shoot apex and uh, uh, leaf primordia. Primordia. And uh, one more thing, scutellum is the uh, cotyledon in, uh, seen in case of monocots, uh, mainly this uh, grass family. Okay now this uh, seed is the last topic afterwards epomixes and the polyembryony and we are done with this chapter uh, here i would like to correct myself it's not x albuginous or non albuginous it is albuminous okay sorry that was my mistake i'm correcting it right here it's albuminous not albuginous okay so just not this thing okay now let's discuss the seed ahead in angiosperms the seed is the final product of sexual reproduction it is often described as a fertilized ovule seeds are formed inside fruits a seed typically consists of seed cords cotyledons and an embryo axis the cotyledons of the embryo are simple structures generally thick and swollen due to the storage of food reserves as in legumes okay now uh, mature seeds may be non albuminous okay not albuginous it's non albuminous and or the ex albuminous non albuminous seeds have no residual endosperm as it completely consumes during embryo development examples are pea and groundnut we already noted them i i i just i just told you people that i guess uh no 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 we didn't noted this uh uh, examples of album albuminous and uh, non albuminous so just make sure you write it down uh, in the space given in the side that uh, uh, that this uh, seed is uh, uh, like pea and the groundnut are the albuminous seeds 
sorry pn groundnut are the non albuminous seeds and albuminous seeds are those which retain a part of endosperm as it is not completely used up during the embryo development and the example of albuminous are this weed okay maize barley castor and occasionally in some seeds such as black pepper and beet remnants of new cellulose are also persistent this residual persistent new cellulose is the perisperm okay now integuments of ovule harden a stuff protective seed coat the micropyle remain as a small pore in the seed coat this facilitates the entry of oxygen and water into the seed during the germination as the seed matures its water content is reduced okay just uh, look upon the points what happens as the seed matures the water content is reduced and the seed becomes relatively dry like 10 to 15% moisture by mass it loses this much amount of mass or water this much amount of moisture and the general metabolic activity of the embryo slows down and the embryo may enter a state of inactivity called dormancy or if favorable conditions are available or the adequate moisture oxygen and suitable temperature they get germinated nice now they uh, okay as ovules mature into seeds the ovary develops into fruit that is the transformation of ovule into seeds and ovary into the fruit ovules into seeds and ovary into fruit that is the transformation of ovule into seeds and the ovary into the fruit proceeds simultaneously this thing occurs simultaneously the wall of the embryo ovary develops into the wall of the fruit called pericarp the fruit may be fleshy as in guava orange mango etc or may be dry as in groundnut and mustard etc many fruits have evolved mechanism for the disposal of seeds now recall the classification of fruits all uh, right non it okay now in most plants by the time the fruit develops from the ovary the other floral parts degenerate and fall off however in a few species such as apple strawberry and the cashew etc the thalamus also contributes to the fruit formation therefore such fruits are called as the false fruits most fruits however develop only from the ovary and are called as the true fruits uh, usually most of the time you will uh, come you will come across the true fruits some fruits are only there which are false okay uh, there are fruits they are false as well but not many Okay now uh, although in uh, most of the species fruits are the result of fertilization there are few species in which fruits develop without fertilization and such fruits are called the parthenocarpic fruits banana is one such example parthenocarpy can be induced through the application of a growth hormone and such fruits are the seedlings okay that's actually nice imagine watermelon without seeds awesome na seeds offer several advantage advantages to and useful firstly since reproductive processes such as pollination and fertilization are independent of water seed formation is more dependable also seeds have better adaptive strategies for disposal to a new habitat and they help these species to colonize in other areas as well they may uh, they may travel like they may get dispersed up to several thousand kilometers okay 
as they have sufficient food reserves young seedlings are nourished until they are capable of photosynthesis on their own the hard seed coat provides protection to the young embryo being products of sexual reproduction they generate a new genetic combination leading to variations seed is the basis of our agriculture okay dehydration and dormancy of mature seeds are crucial for the storage of seed which can be used as a food throughout the year and also to raise a crop in the next season now can you imagine agriculture in the absence of seeds that is possible but it can't uh, uh it can't uh, it cannot uh, result into any genetic variation you will get the same quality again and again same hybrid again and again like you may find inbreeding depression as well so yeah that's the disadvantage okay um, where we were just a second huh? um i i i lost the path Mm. Uh, in the presence of how it's on yep how long how long how long okay can you imagine agriculture in the absence or in the presence of seeds which germinate straight away soon after the formation of and cannot be stored okay how long do the seeds remain alive after they are dispersed sorry for the disturbance okay uh, now this period again varies greatly like uh, the viability of the seed varies every um, varies in few species the seeds lose viability within a few months seeds of the large number of species live for several years some seeds can remain alive for hundreds of years there are several records of very old yet viable seeds the old set is that of lupin or the lupinus arac uh, lupinus arcticus arcticus excavated from the arctic tundra the seeds germinated and the flower and are flowered after an estimated record of around 10000 years of dormancy okay so uh, look up on the viability uh, plants like wheat and rice have the viability period of just 30 minutes and look upon this lupinus arcticus uh, it has a viability of even more than 10000 years uh, the recent record of 2000 years all viable seed is of the dead palm then phoenix dactylifera discovered during the archaeological excavation at the king herod's palace near the dead sea now Okay after completing a brief account of sexual reproduction uh of flowering plant it would be worth attempting to comprehend the enormous rec- uh, reproductive capacity of some flowering plants by asking the following question okay now let's see how many eggs are present in an embryo sac how many eggs are present in an embryo sac obviously one how many embryo sac are present in an ovule one how many ovules are present in an ovary it can be it is dependable like one or many how many ovaries are present in a typical flower it also depends it either can be one or it can be many how many flowers are present on a tree obviously many it can be one and so on now 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 now, now let's move forward let's let's now just discuss this apomixis uh, and the polyembryony although although seeds in general are the products of fertilization a few flowering plants such as some species of asteraceae and grasses have evolved a special mechanism to produce a seed without fertilization they are called as the apomixis what is a fruit production without fer- fruit production without fertilization called huh see if a seed is getting formed without fertilization then that is considered as apomixis 
and if fruit is formed without fertilization that is considered as parthenogenesis so note the difference between the two thus apomixis is a form, form of asexual reproduction that mimics the sexual reproduction there are several ways of development of apomictic seeds in some species the diploid xl is formed without reduction division and develops into the embryo without fertilization more often as in many citrus and mango varieties some of the new cellular cell surrounding the embryo sac start dividing protrude protrude into the embryo sac and develop into the embryo like here new cells plays a very important role okay in case of apomixis in some species each ovule contains many embryos occurrence of more than one embryo in a seed is referred to as a polyembryony all right now This hybrid varieties of several of our food and vegetable crops are being ex- extensively cultivated. Cultivation of hybrids have, has tremendously increased productivity. One of the problem of hybrids is that the hybrid seeds have to be produced every year. Like uh, they aren't fertile, you know. We need to produce them artificially every goddamn year and that's not uh easy stuff like it's not economically feasible okay um, if the seeds collected from hybrids are sown to be uh, the plants in the progeny will segregate uh, and do not maintain the hybrid characters production of hybrid seeds is costly and hence the cost of hybrid seeds become too expensive for the farmers i told you just few seconds ago if this hybrids are matched into apomixis there is no segregation of characters in the hybrid progeny then the farmers can keep on using the hybrid seeds to raise new crop year after year and he does not have to buy hybrid seeds every year because of the importance of apomixis damn important okay this importance in hybrid and seed industry active research is going on in many laboratories around the world to understand the genetics of apomixis and to transfer the apomictic genes into the hybrid varieties and we are done now let's read the summary as well flowers are the set uh, seat of a sexual reproduction in angiosperm in the flower androecium consists of stamens which represents the male reproductive organ and the gynoecium represent the female reproductive uh, structure uh, or uh, which consists of pistils a typical anther is bilobed dicticus and a tetrasporangiate pollen grains develop inside the microsporangia four wall layers of epidermis endothecium middle layer and the tapenum surround the microsporangia now cells of the sporangium tissue lying in the center of the microsporangium undergo the meiosis okay undergo meiosis or the microsporogenesis to form a tetrad of microspores okay okay now individual microspores mature into pollen grains pollen grains represent the male gametic uh, gametophyte generation the pollen grains have two layered wall the outer exine and the inner intine the exine is made up of sporopollenin and is a germ pores pollen grains may have two cells a vegetative cell and a generative cell or the three cell a vegetative cell and the two male gametes at the time of shedding the pistil have a three parts the stigma the style and the ovary ovules are present in the ovary the ovules have a stalk called the funicle protective integuments and an opening called the micropyle the central tissue is the new cellus 
in which the archaeosporium differentiates a cell of the archaeosporium the megaspore mother cell divides meiotically and one of the megaspore forms the embryo sac the female gametophyte the mature embryo sac is a seven celled in the eight nucleate at the micropillar end is the egg apparatus which consists of two synergids and an egg cell at the telazel end there are the three antipodals at the center there is a large central cell with two polar nuclei now pollination is a mechanism to transfer pollen grains from the anther to the stigma pollinating agents are either abiotic which includes wind and the water or, or biotic it may involve in animals insects birds etc all right now pollen pistil interaction involves all events from the landing of pollen grain on the stigma until the pollen tube enters the embryo sac when the pollen is, is compatible or pollen inhibition when the pollen is incompatible now following com- following compatible pollination pollen grain germinates on the stigma and the resulting pollen tube grow through the style enters the ovule and ovule and finally discharges the two male gametes in one of the synergids now angiosperm exhibit the double fertilization because two fusion events occurs in each embryo sac namely the sing- syngamy and the triple fusion syngamy occurs in case of uh, egg cell and the triple fusion occurs in the case of polar nuclei the product of this two fu- uh, this fusion are the diploid zygote and the triploid primary endosperm nucleus in the primary endosperm uh, in the primary endosperm new uh, pi- primary endosperm cell which is found at the center zygote develops into the embryo and the primary endosperm cell forms the endosperm tissue formation of the endosperm always precedes the development of the embryo all right now the developing embryo pass- this is because to provide the nourishment to the growing uh growing embryo the developing embryo passes through the different stages such as the proembryo globular and the heart shape shaped stage before maturation mature dicotyledonous embryo has a two cotyledons and an embryonal axis with epicotyle and the hypocotyle embryos of the monocotyledon have a single cotyledon after fertilization ovary develops into fruit and ovule develop into the seeds ovary re r comes into the picture that's why the fruit in fruit also you can see the term r so just related like this a phenomenon called phenomenon called apomixis okay a uh, uh, phenomenon called apomixis is found in some angiosperm particularly in grasses it results in the formation of seed without fertilization apomix have several advantages in horticulture and agriculture some angiosperm produce more than one embryo in their seed and this phenomenon is called as the polyembryony finally we are done with the second chapter as well we'll meet you people soon with the third and the fourth and the fifth and all the upcoming chapters all right till then take care bye bye and keep studying Thank you.